This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Good morning, I'm Ann Romer. Welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Woodbine and the Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, recently reached an agreement on a new two-year contract that commits to $62 million in purses for the next couple of years. Friend of the show, HBPA President Sue Leslie will be joining us to talk about this new contract, also the upcoming Woodbine and Fort Erie thoroughbred racing seasons. As well on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine today, brilliant trainer Robertino Diodoro, he joins us. He is very focused on next weekend's $1.25 million Arkansas Derby at Oaklawn Park. All eyes will be on a horse by the name of Airtime, whom Robertino claimed for $50,000 out of a race at Oaklawn on January 29th. A race that Airtime actually won by 10 and one quarter lengths. There's so much more to Airtime's story. We'll hear all about it when we chat with Robert Diodoro in moments. Last but far from least, Colin Davis is a newcomer to the Ontario thoroughbred breeding scene. The resident of Coburg actually cut his teeth on the standard bred side of things at Peterborough's Kawartha Downs Harness Track. Colin is a major proponent of the Ontario Racing's Mare Purchase Program. We're going to find out all about that program and much more when Colin Davis sits down with us here on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. And finally, he's back. My co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine Mohawk Park and some other North American tracks racing today with our Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocketship Racing. It's going to be a great show, so please get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready for some heavy-duty action. When we come back, Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on some recent horse racing news. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park. Ontario Racing and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hardworking employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks and government and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Join us on April 1st when Gulfstream Park hosts the $1 million Curlin Florida Derby, a highlight of the Gulfstream Championship racing season and considered by many to be one of the most important preps for the famed Kentucky Derby on the first Saturday in May. The Curlin Florida Derby has a tremendous stakes-filled day of racing with a total of 10 stakes races scheduled and you can watch and wager on all Gulfstream Park race days, including Florida Derby Day on April 1st with your HPI bet account or Dark Horse app. It's the next best thing to being at the track. 
Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Ann Romer, and here is my co-host, Larry Simpson. It's always so great to be with you, and we have a terrific show to look forward to. We do, and we have some uh, great guests as well, and uh, let's get right into it. Yeah, and I call it breaking news from my years on CP24. It's exciting news, and it has to do with the HBPA. Let's bring in Sue Leslie, who is all about the HBPA. So welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Sue. Thank you so much, Ann. Pleased to be here. All right, let's get right into it, Sue. Talk about the Woodbine contract and what the contract entails. Uh, it's a two-year deal, or is it a one-year deal? It's a two-year uh, deal, Larry, and, and there were lots of reasons for that. You know, Woodbine, uh, God bless them, who've been trying to move into new lines of revenue through the casino opening up, uh, sports betting, um, you know, COVID played a big role in those two operations getting delayed. Uh, which, you know, affects the income to the industry. And the train station, we had hoped would be underway by now, is not underway, which we're hoping will bring a lot of new people to the site. So rather than go a long-term contract, because, you know, new revenue that comes to Woodbine has to be shared with HBPA uh, members. And we, after discussing, decided it was best just to do a shorter contract this time and, and give sports betting and casino time to get up and running, and then hopefully the next contract can be longer and more meaningful with commitment on the new revenue. You know, that makes sense. Dollars and cents. So, Sue, this two-year deal commits to $62 million in purses for both this season and next year, the 2024 season. How, in your view, does this total stack up to purses from, say, past years? Well, it's basically the same, to be honest with you, Anne, um, which we were disappointed about. But as I say, we also understand that wagering in the Ontario market, which is where we get a premium return, has, has not been as good as it was. And the new revenue that we all were thinking would help boost purses just hasn't happened yet. So while we're disappointed, we understand that um, things haven't maybe turned out as Woodbine would have projected uh, five years ago, and I'm sure they were doing all their forecasting. And so trying to find a happy medium, of course, we would have liked more purse money for our owners, but we're pretty good in terms of North America purses. Our feedback from our members, which is who we're supposed to represent, it's not really what I think or what our board thinks, it's what our members want. They, They were much more fixated on the length of the season and the days than they were on purses. So interesting. Um, yeah. So I guess so. Though when initiatives like integrating sports betting into horse racing and the casino gets up and, and running in that, you're hoping, and I guess the hope is by everybody, is that the purses will increase. Absolutely, and they should increase for sure. 
because as as new revenue comes in uh, based on new product, whether it's the casino, whether it's sports betting, whether it's historical racing, whether it's a lottery ticket, whatever that we as an industry working together uh, can create that creates new income. Um, you know, the, the, the intent of Woodbine is share and promote racing for horsemen. So, yes, absolutely, we expect when new revenue streams come in, then the purse account to go up. And believe me, we, we will be paying close track of that. Sue, how important is Woodbine's new vision for its future when it comes to these, these hopes that you've got beyond this two-year contract that you've signed with Woodbine? Listen, we're not privy to Woodbine's financial statements, and we're not privy to how the board is, is arriving at their decisions. But um, Jim and I, Jim Lawson and I, I believe have a good relationship. And, and through this final negotiation, uh, Jim was helpful uh, with me to, to get to the end. And not taking anything away from our board, who were absolutely terrific in standing their ground, and our negotiation committee, which was uh, Josie Carroll and Roger Atfield, Kevin Attard, and Mark Cassie, they were just tremendous. Our, our horsemen don't understand what a great job they did. We we're always trying to strike the balance that there's good consultation and communication between the two groups. And, and that had suffered a bit, uh, again, through COVID, not having face-to-face meetings, transition uh, in the management team, and all that type of stuff. But uh, Jim and I have made a commitment to each other that we're going to get that fixed, and I believe we will. And therefore, I have a reasonable amount of confidence that hopefully when the next contract round comes around, there will be new income to discuss. And I guess another component, Sue, of this contract is the $300,000 in each year of the deal that Woodbine's going to contribute to the backstretch community, right? And uh, maybe you want to talk about that a little bit and the importance of that. Yeah, so that's really important to us, and, and it was another thing that we really stood firm on because how that actually developed, Larry, is many, many years ago, uh, before my time, um, the uncashed ticket revenue, in other words, there was so much revenue that was returned to the industry because people lost their tickets or forgot to cash them out, and there was a court case as to where that uncashed revenue should go and whether it should go back to betters, go to the racetrack, go to the horse people, etc. And after the court case, it was determined that that money should be split 50-50 between the racetrack and the horsemen. So when we had the slots up and running, it, it was a big chunk of income, uh, both to Woodbine and to the HBPA. Now, as the industry is modernized and people now are betting on iPads and computers and cell phones and HPI, and even those that are at the track, rather than going to tellers, they're using the automated machines. So that revenue has become more and more depleted over the years. And we're getting to the point where there's not that much of uncashed ticket revenue left. Well, the agreement between HBPA and Woodbine and the courts from the beginning was that that money would be used to benefit and help people working on the backside, grooms, hot walkers, exercise riders, assistant trainers. And as that become depleted, it's it's hurt the HBPA to not have as much money to be able to spend. And and believe me, we use money out of our own budget too. Mm. But mm. I 
responsibility of the racetrack operator to help us, help the HBPA, to be able to do things for our backside members, whether it's a, a hot dinner, whether it's a T-shirt, whether it's a hoodie, whether it's a trip to a concert, whether it's some some uh, tickets to uh, uh, someone who the younger generation would find popular that we might not, <laughs> but we, we want to be able we want to be able to help people that live in the dormitories and are so dedicated to racing and don't make a lot of money. So to us, that should be a shared responsibility. And uh, fortunately, at the end there, uh, we, w- we were able to salvage that. So very, very important part of our income. And, and we, we're happy to report to Woodbine exactly how it gets used. We, we actually contribute much more than 300000 to our backstretch people. So that's not a problem for us. And why, Sue, is it so important that the people who work in the backstretch are treated fairly and, and, and given benefits and, and, and better working conditions? Yeah, so they're the heart of our industry, and there's no ands or about it. I mean, us that own horses and train horses and maybe get some accolades because a horse wins a stake and all that, the bottom line is none of this industry functions unless you have those grooms and hot walkers and exercise riders. We, we have an acute shortage of employees on the backside right now for many reasons. And so more and more responsibility and longer and longer hours are falling on the backs of the people that actually touch the horses every day and groom them and know when they're out of sorts, when they're sick, when they're lame, when they've got a bump there today that they didn't have yesterday. They're the people that are reporting to the trainers and keeping keeping that backstretch functioning. It's like a little mini town back there. Everybody knows everybody. Uh, sometimes that's not a good thing, <laughs> but for the most part, for the most part, it is. And they they keep the horses going, so they're absolutely crucial. Absolutely crucial. All right, so let's uh, uh, change courses, pardon the pun. Let's talk about Fort Erie. Is there a different agreement for Fort Erie than, than Woodbine going forward? Yes, we, we do have a, a separate agreement with Fort Erie. Our, our agreement with Fort Erie actually uh, stays in place until one of us isn't happy with it, and then there would be a negotiation. We just basically roll it over every year. Yes, there's been some change uh, over the years that Fort Erie has wanted to make or we've wanted to make, and, and I'm just happy to report they're really, we really have a very, very cooperative uh, entity within the FELRC because they're, we have a couple of our own board members on the, on the board down there. Um, we have people that are very, very committed to live racing, so... We really don't have much in the way of disagreements with them. If they propose something new or we do, we really try to cooperate. You know, it's a much smaller race course, as you know, in terms of the people that it employs and the quality of the horses that are there. So it, it's an easier component to not have as much friction or have major, major decisions. But they're a wonderful organization and they're a pleasure to work with and, uh, we have excellent consultation and communication with Fort Erie. So our contract uh, this year, there'll be no changes to it. It'll just roll over again until one of us say, hey, we need to have a meeting to change something. Sue, I want to look at the broader picture. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA. Why was it started and what is your mandate? 
Well, it was started in the 1960s. The HBPA has been around a long time. I'm actually president of the Canadian National HBPA because there's an HBPA in every province. And we, we also are members of the U.S. HBPA. So we have a, a, a North American uh, group that all work together for the betterment of racing. And it, it, it goes to being hands-on on the ground to be able to communicate to racetrack operators the challenges and the shortcomings for horsemen. We, we run a pension plan. We run a medical plan. We have an employee assistance program. We have owner's awards that we hand out. We, we, have, we help all of our members in terms of, you know, letter sending, faxing, photocopying. A lot of our members, and especially the older generation, and we have a lot of that on the thoroughbred side, they're well-educated as far as the horses are concerned, but they're not so educated when it comes to the, the new and higher level of um, responsibility and accountability, like to our regulator, AGCO. So we help our members get their licenses. Uh, we help them if they have an issue and they get ruled off. We help them if they get a positive test. It's, you know, they on, they on their own would have a difficult time being heard. But collectively through the HBPA and the programs, we, the relationship we have with government bodies um, is very, very important. And we, of course, we sit on the board of Ontario Racing, who is now the spokesperson uh, for all of us in the industry to the government. So it's a very, very important entity, and it's not always understood that well. To be honest with you, which is probably our fault, we we do our best, but we need a public relations person. That's what we need uh, to explain the many, many, many things that we do on behalf of of horsemen. It's a long list. And well, before we let you go, Sue, quickly, I have to ask you: the Queen's Plate has a new name this year. What has, what's that going to feel like? Well, it's going to be strange. Um, I can tell you there was a lot of controversy over the name change. Uh, many people passionate that it had to stay the Queen's Plate and many people passionate it had to change. Um, I think Jim did the right thing in reaching out to uh, the powers to be um, to decide how they felt about it. And my understanding is uh, the advice from the King is that it needed to be changed. So I think Woodbine did the right thing, was acting to uh, to what they wanted, and um, it'll be different. It'll be I still have people say the Queen's Plate to me, and I slip up a bit now and then too. <laughs> but um, change isn't always bad, Larry. Sometimes change is good. So it, it was the King's Plate before, and it's the King's Plate again. And God bless the Queen because she was a tremendous supporter of Canadian racing and. I'm sure King Charles will be the same way. Stu Leslie, the heart and soul of the HBPA, thank you for your hard work, and what a pleasure to have you with us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine today. Thank you so much, Anne, and right back, right back at you and Larry as well. Thanks for the good work you're doing. When we come back, a storied trainer, Robertino Diodoro, joins us today on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. 
Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. We'll be right back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to visit their Pineview dealership and view the award-winning Hyundai lineup today as the I Love Winter event is on now. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851 or visit our website, pineviewauto.com and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice. Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standardbred, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, the road to the Kentucky Derby continues, and someone who's really looking forward to next weekend is trainer Robertino Diodoro, and it has something to do with airtime. Let's give Robertino some airtime right now here on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Welcome to the show, Robertino. No, thanks for having me again, you guys. Well, thanks for being on, and yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, Talk about the upcoming Arkansas Derby and a horse by the name of Airtime. Uh, you claimed him for $50,000. Uh, when you claimed him, was it Kentucky Derby aspirations you, you had, or is this just something that's come since you claimed him? Yeah, d- uh, definitely not. Uh, it's been kind of a nice surprise. Uh, you know, honestly, we thought he was just a, a good, solid uh, uh, claim. And, uh, um, you know, we watched some of his past videos and uh, replays, and um, one race he had some trouble, and he actually ran against some really good horses. And um, yeah, like I said, we, we thought just a good, solid claim, and uh, things have uh, taken a turn for the for the better. <laughs> and what are you seeing in airtime now? Uh, he just seems like a horse that's getting better and better. I mean. His, uh, his works have been very impressive since we've had him. Um, and he did have some great works before we had him. Um, talking to a few guys uh, after we got the horse, uh, he, he, I, I really believe he was meant to be a good horse. And, you know, I always say horses are like athletes. You know, they take uh, they all take different times to uh, develop. And uh, I just think this horse is really coming into himself. And uh, like I said, every morning this horse is just... Uh, 
he's really coming into himself, training great. That's exciting. Yeah. Now, you claimed him out of a race that he won really easy, and then you put him into a, an allowance race, and I guess you could say he won that uh, pretty handily as well. Now, does he look like a horse, you think, that can stretch out to a mile and a quarter distance for the Derby? Yeah, that's an, you know another thing that's uh, you know given us some hope, and uh, I, I really believe he's a horse that'll run all day. Uh, um, again, going back to the way he trains in the morning and uh, his works in gallop, gallop boats have been uh, very impressive. And how do you train a horse like this? You've really only known him for a couple of months. What what do you put in based on your experience and your knowledge and your understanding of, of horses? How are you training him? Um, you know, I always say, um, again, I, I keep using the term horses. They're, uh, you know, they're just like human athletes. They're all different. And uh, you know, some horses like to train hard and, and some uh, don't like to train as hard. So, Again, you know, like you said, we haven't had him that long, and uh, um, you know, we're, we're definitely trying to, you know, stretch him out in the morning, give him some long gallops, and uh, it seems like he loves it. And I think that's, you know, one of the signs of a horse that uh, wants to run on. So, uh, uh, like I said, a lot of strong gallops, and uh, and uh, he's had a couple of very good works uh, since his last race. And do you analyze him psychologically speaking? I know that sounds artsy-fartsy when I ask a question like that, but, you know, <laughs> getting into the, the psyche of, of, a, of a horse like that, is that part of what you do as a trainer? Yeah, no, like, like I said, you know, you got to treat them all differently. And again, you know, when you claim these horses, you know, and the, the you know, this goes back to the claiming game where sometimes it's not that easy because, you, know, you don't have them that long, and there's different quirks to different horses, and um, you know that's why I kind of like the, you know, the more allowance and stake horses where you have them in your barn for months and ho- hopefully years, where you get to know them and get to know what they like, and uh, you know how they like to train, and you know some of them are picky eaters, and some of them have stomach issues, just like humans, where they you know need to be treated for ulcers and whatever else. So um, yeah, again, they're all different. So if he races well next week for you, and hopefully he does in the Arkansas Derby, this won't be your first Kentucky Derby trail, will it? Uh, no, we had uh, two years ago, we had Keep Me In Mind, and uh, uh, ran him in the Derby, and, and then the and then the Preakness, and, uh, you know, he, he, was, uh, he was a lot of fun, that horse. He took us to some places where, uh, you know, everyone wants to get to, and... Uh, Hopefully it can happen again this year. And where do you find your stamina to keep everything going on the Kentucky Derby Trail, for instance, to keep it going, to keep your horses going? Yeah, no, you just got to keep them healthy and happy. And, uh, you know, I I think it's, uh, you know, I would say, and I think all the professionals will tell you, you know, a horse that uh, needs that runs in the Kentucky Derby, you got to have them peaking at the right time and uh, coming around at the right time. Um, you know, some horses again develop earlier in their uh, in their career. Just like you'll see a lot of two-year-olds that are very impressive two-year-olds, and when they t- turn three, they've kind of gone the other way on you. And you know, going into the Derby, you got to have a horse peaking right at the right time. So it, it's not easy. You know, um, you uh, got to have some luck to go with it, and uh, got to have your horse uh, fit. And uh, you know, I, again, going the distance, you got to have a horse that can stand up to the training too. And, that's one thing, like I said, I like about this horse that he loves the train and uh, 
it seems like the further we train him, the, the stronger he gets, and even his workouts. So, so is there any similarities between keep me in mind and, and airtime, or are they entirely different animals? Yeah, totally different. Uh, one thing I do like about this horse is a. Uh, more than I did about keep me in mind is the mental part. This horse is very, I don't think nothing rattles him. And I think that's uh, very important. Uh, you know, you get to the big dances and, uh, you know, with the crowds and stuff like that. And uh, even in the morning, uh, uh, keep me in mind was very tough to train. He was just uh, a horse that never really wanted to relax. He was very, very just tough horse to train. Or uh, this horse, he, he just, uh, He's kind of a cool customer and uh, like very <laughs> mature mentally. So I, I think that's uh, that goes a long ways. It sounds like you. <laughs> that description. <laughs> yeah. well, I don't. Well, I don't know about that. I, I can get rattled. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why it's working so well. Um, Robertino, can can you set the stage a little bit for next weekend? Uh, and and I mean in terms of what the the what the track looks like and what the weather looks like at this point. I mean, this is this kind of tornado season down in your neck of the woods. How are we looking at, in terms of airtime and next weekend's race? Well, it's funny you say that because I, I look at my weather app about 20, 30 times a day. So, <laughs> of course, I've already looked at, into next Saturday, and I know we're a ways out. But so far, uh, rain later in the week next week, and then uh, Saturday, Sunday next week, and supposed to be nice. So, um, again, for the crowd uh, and the people, it's a big weekend here in Oakland. So, hopefully, the weather uh, uh, behaves itself. But uh, if not, it's one thing I think this horse will... Um, well, he already has ran on a fast track and a muddy track, so um, weather I don't think is going to bother him. Okay. Well, we uh, have had a lot of new listeners since you were last on, I, I'm going to say a year, maybe two years ago. Talk about your background, how you got involved in, in the horse racing industry and where you grew up. Yeah, no, I was uh, born and raised in uh, Calgary, Alberta. My whole uh, mom's side of the family kind of been into horse racing, and uh, my grandpa was a small trainer in Alberta, and uh, my dad always helped him. And yeah, started off with uh, with one horse uh, when my grandpa was uh, ready to call it quits, and uh, kind of went from there. My dad, uh, my dad was a big help uh, uh, starting out just. Uh, I always say between uh, couldn't find help and couldn't afford help, uh, my dad was in the barn with me working, and he could do the work of uh, five men. So uh, hmm. he was a big help uh, starting off uh, for sure. And Robertino, what does it take to become a successful trainer? Do you think? Well, it starts with good good clients, which usually equals good horses, and then you got to have good help, and uh, that's one thing I've been very fortunate. I think and. Uh, I uh, can't say enough about my assistants, um, uh, the three uh, three main guys I've had for uh, quite a while, and uh, well, going on 12, 15 years now, and, uh, and a couple new ones. So uh, again, you got to have good help. Uh, I'm only one person, and uh, and you know, very fortunate to have some uh, really good owners, some new guys, and some that have been with me for uh, for a long time. And uh, going back to airtime. Uh, his owner, Randy Houck, he was the really uh, the first real owner I had. So, again, kind of starting to show my age, but that's about 27 <laughs> years we've been together. So, uh, 
it's uh you know it, it's fun any time to have this kind of horse but i i think uh it being randy's i think it's uh it's kind of special and uh i know he's uh he's enjoying it and he'll be out here next week and uh him and his wife so um like i said gotta have good owners it's uh it's uh it all starts there and then works you know like i said with the horses and the help so been very fortunate so how many horses are you currently got in training now, Robertino, and whereabouts are they? Are they all at Oaklawn, or are they maybe scattered around some of the other racetracks? Yeah, they're a little bit scattered around. We have roughly 140 to 150 in training right now. Uh, the, the major group uh, part of them are, are here in Arkansas. We have roughly 90 here, and then we have uh, some in Turf Paradise, and uh, some in Evangeline, which is Louisiana, and then uh, uh, Sam Houston in Houston. So, um, of course, we'll be getting ready to send a small string to uh, uh, Keeneland next week. Any thought of maybe sending a string of horses up here to Woodbine? Yeah, it, it's definitely crossed my mind a few <laughs> times. Uh, what we, uh, we did send a horse up there last year for one race. I never did come up there but uh, from Saratoga, but... Uh, it has crossed my mind a few different times, for sure. So you, you never know. You never know. Get your passport ready. Come on up. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you did uh, yeah. You did race a couple of times at, uh, was it Edmonton or uh, Cinnaboy or that? Because you, you won a stakes race, I believe, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. No, we, uh, uh, last year we had a small string at Century Mile, which is right. a new racetrack right by uh, the Edmonton Airport and then Assiniboy Downs, which of course is Winnipeg. So uh, we definitely make trips uh, up to the western part of Canada, and you know I still have a lot of clients and uh, family up there, so it's uh, it's kind of nice to go up there. That you know we usually have a good time, and uh, hopefully can uh, you know pick off the odd derby or a stake race up there. Interesting, Robertino. You mentioned that your grandfather was a small trainer. It seems to me that you're a big trainer. How do you stay on top of of that many? That not that big number of horses. How do you stay on top of everything that's going on? You've got hundreds of them. Yeah, no, it's uh, again. I, I keep saying it. Uh, I'm one person, and got to have good help. That's, yeah. uh, that's all it is to it. To be honest, and again, been very fortunate and uh, to have some good assistance with me, and uh, you know, a couple of them are like uh, like family to me now. So, um, no, it's. Uh, We've got a pretty good team. I guess finally uh, for you, what's the race that you most want to win? What's the one that's continued to elude you? And I, I think I can probably answer it, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, of course, uh, I think it's any uh, any tra- any guy that gets a trainer's license. They always, uh, I don't care if you have uh, one horse or three hundred horses. Uh, <laughs> Uh, everyone uh, once in a while sits back and dreams of uh, winning the Kentucky Derby. So um, I think uh, I think you'd get the same answer out of uh, most trainers across the country, and uh, it's no different with me. Of course, uh, there's always uh, you know always dreams, and uh, dreams come true sometimes. So we'll see what happens. Wow. On that note, Larry, I think that we need to say goodbye. You are just terrific and you're very modest. And I, I must commend you on, on your superb work over these many years. You're still a young man 
And I appreciate that you have joined us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Larry and I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much, Robertino. No, no, thanks again for having me, you guys. After the break, when we come back, Colin Davis joins us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert Elisa Blow and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com horse ownership today. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. Join us on April 1st when Gulfstream Park hosts the $1 million Curlin Florida Derby, a highlight of the Gulfstream Championship racing season and considered by many to be one of the most important preps for the famed Kentucky Derby on the first Saturday in May. The Curlin Florida Derby has a tremendous stakes-filled day of racing with a total of 10 stakes races scheduled and you can watch and wager on all Gulfstream Park race days, including Florida Derby Day on April 1st with your HPI bet account or Dark Horse app. It's the next best thing to being at the track. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ontario thoroughbred breeder Colin Davis joins us today. And for the first time, Colin is a very good example, by the way, of someone who has taken advantage of the great initiatives that Ontario Racing offers through its thoroughbred improvement program. Let's find out more. Let's talk to Colin for the first time on the show. Hey, welcome, Colin, and it's just a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks very much for having me. Well, before we get into the uh, your thoroughbred uh, side of the business now, let's talk about where it all started for you um, on the standardbred side at, at Cortha Downs, correct? Yes. Um, in my teenage years, my mother would take me, and she had a friend that knew a lot about horses and gambling. So it kind of took me long for the ride, and I really appreciated watching the standardbreds, and that's kind of where my love for horses and racing kind of grew. And how did you then end up moving over to the thoroughbred side? Many years ago, I went to Fortier Racetrack, and I was looking for a horse to adopt. And um, I found a, a horse, her name was Gentle. So we retired her, and her name became Jenny, and she's kind of my baby. And so that was kind of my introduction to thoroughbreds. And and you also, uh, besides as a breeder, we'll get into that in a, a little bit about the initiative that got you involved into the breeding program and that, but you also have a racing operation for thoroughbreds, correct? Yes, I have three horses at Woodbine with Catherine Day Phillips. 
and why that part of it? It sounds as if there are many facets to thoroughbred breeding, owning, racing. That How do you keep it all together and why move into the racing part of it? My theory with everything was is that I should probably just jump in and get an education from every direction that I could. Um, as I was looking into breeding horses, it only made sense to have a few horses that I own some shares of and then experience the highs and the lows and just go through a year in the life and see the backstretch and understand the industry from that angle. Then also going to the Keeneland sales and pounding the pavement there to understand about confirmation, pedigrees, and talking to some of the pros in the business. And then it also relates back into my own breeding operation and using a lot of people around me and their knowledge to just kind of know more about what things to look for and um, kind of just the roadmap ahead. Well, speaking of knowledge, talk about that knowledge that you obtained from the uh, Merit Purchase Program, which is an initiative of uh, Ontario Racing, correct? Yes, exactly. Um, That program has been a godsend for me, and I tell it to everyone um, down in Kentucky, and they can't believe a program like that exists. And it's allowed me to kind of get into the market at a time where our dollar is not doing the best, and I want to get um, some quality broodmares and some of the purchases wouldn't have happened without a little bit extra money that I can get reimbursed. Um, my first horse I purchased was Renata, and she sold for about 90000 U.S. So I wouldn't have been able to afford that necessarily without having a program to fall back on. Can you explain exactly how the Mayor Purchase Program actually works? Yep. So any resident in Ontario can go to a auction um, the Canadian auctions or a U.S. auction and purchase a broodmare and have them relocated back into Ontario. And you can have up to 50% of your purchase refunded in Canadian funds up to $50,000 and up to three horses per year. So what I did was the first year I purchased two horses and then the second year I did the same as well. So I ended up receiving back, I believe, 50,000 the first year and about 35,000 the second year. And why was this program started in the first place? It was to kind of reinvigorate the Ontario market and um, kind of get our horses back on the world platform. And I've seen a lot of people taking advantage of the program, and I feel like Ontario horses are becoming stronger again. And you alluded to the fact earlier that you were talking to some people in Kentucky and that, and they said, wow, like, that's quite a program. Like, this program is really not available anyplace else, is it? No, it's not, and I don't think uh, the other programs out there can compete with our program, which is really giving someone like myself the edge, which exactly is what I need to get started. So um, I, I kind of go back each year wondering if I should keep expanding, and everyone's like, why are you jumping in so quick? <laughs> it's like, well, I have this great program that allows me to jump in quick, so I might as well take advantage of it, and it's honestly been great. You refer to it as a godsend. So what are you seeing right now in terms of what you've been able to do? Yep. So um, we currently have four broodmares. Uh, the third just shipped off today to Lexington to be rebred. And I have a fourth that'll be following in the next week or two. And what it's kind of allowed me to do is I've taken um, some of our horses to Windstar Farms this year in the U.S. And it gave me some leverage to have a full share with a stallion. And we're kind of getting some better deals because instead of just going with one or two horses, you can offer three or four to their studs. So strength in numbers has definitely helped me. And um, I couldn't be more thankful for it. And let's, uh, we, we talked a little bit about, uh, you also have some horses with Catherine Day Phillips. Uh, talk about the significance of a horse by the name of um, Millie Girl that uh, 
basically was probably one of your most exciting moments in, in the sport so far, right? Yeah, that's actually, there's an amazing story with that, and it's uh, also really embarrassing. So, um, Millie Girl comes from the Tenerys, and I've been told it's uh, his dog's name. And uh, <laughs> I was watching the, yeah, so I was watching the first race. Um, my wife and two daughters were there with me. Um, they're six and seven. And we're sitting in the box with Catherine watching the horse come down the stretch. Catherine goes, where is she? I lost her. And I'm like, oh, I think she dropped back to fifth place. And my wife is just jumping there screaming, saying she won. So I somehow <laughs> missed where she was in the home stretch, thought she lost, and then she won. So I felt really ripped off from that. But <laughs> it was a lot of fun once I found out she actually did win. So anyways, newbie mistake. It sounds to me that you've got the breeding part of this down pat, and thanks to the program, but the racing end of what you're doing, maybe there needs to be a little bit more experience? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of why I talked to Catherine early on. And I found Catherine through the um, owner racehorse program through Ontario Racing. And I kind of am using my time with Catherine as an education. And the idea is that some of the horses we produce in the future will be staying with us as homebreds. And we'll probably race them with Catherine Day Phillips and Woodbine. And it kind of helps in supplementing the breeding side with keeping some to race them yourself. So it's one of those things I feel kind of complements nicely. So if somebody came up to you and said they were interested in getting involved in the Ontario breeding business and that, uh, what would you tell them? Yeah, uh, I think it would help to talk to someone like myself that's newer, that's been through um, some of the things I've been through in the last two years. Um, not saying I'm an expert, but there's a lot of things to kind of connect um different people, bloodstock agents, um, even just licensing requirements, due dates, what you can, what you can't do, what you just need to know about. And a lot of these questions I've kind of talked to people that have been around forever, and it's like, oh, right, yeah, you need to do that. I just assumed you'd know. And there's just so many things you don't know, and kind of having a new liaison kind of helps with that. And I actually was speaking to someone down in Tampa Bay who is new into horses, and um, they actually, I brought them in while I bid on a horse at Keeneland and won the horse. And they were like, wow, this is an amazing experience. I've never been through something like this. And they're like, it's really exciting. And it's like, well, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out because someone being new, given the answers I have over the past year or two, um, I'd love to pay it forward. And I think it kind of creates um, the mentality that takes the whole community to help someone get into this. I think that's great. And the fact that you are very honest about not knowing everything about the industry that you're in and willing to ask questions, but also wanting to pay it forward. Can we talk a little bit about Apricot Valley Thoroughbreds? Is this now becoming kind of a family business? You're a young man, but you probably have family who are very interested in Apricot Valley Thoroughbreds. Yes, I have some of our family interested. Um, our children are, uh, my daughter just turned eight, so they're six, eight, and 12. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's my younger daughters that have interest in animals, but they're not really big enough to help with too much. But my six-year-old comes out, and she'll sweep the barn out every couple of days, and they're really interested. And she actually watched the birth of a foal this spring, so she said it was really disgusting, but she stayed there and watched <laughs> and saw the whole experience of life. So... It's been really great in that sense, but like I have a long lineage of family members that have nothing to do with farming, so everyone always asks the question, where did this come from? And I kind of tie it to one of my great uncles um, that lived in the Ottawa area, and he had a bunch of draft horses that I always adored eating carrots and apples to. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of becoming a family business, but um, at the same point, I don't know uh, 
if there's someone that would be willing to take it on eventually. <laughs> and, and right now, uh, it's not a, a full-time business for you, right? You, you have something else that you do full-time. Talk about that. And is the goal to make the, the farm the, the full-time family business going forward? Yes, I would absolutely love to do that. Um, currently, I do IT consulting in healthcare and in the nuclear industry. I've kind of spent my career doing IT and process work with project management. And I, I do love that aspect, but it seems like it's kind of flowed over into the breeding aspect of horses because you have the pedigrees, you have the management of horses, you have birthing the animals and the connection you build with them. And it's just it's more hands-on and kind of fits my idea of a lifestyle. And I know you two call me a spring chicken, but I do feel I'm getting older eventually. Yeah, <laughs> 39. I would, like to, yeah. <laughs> I would like to spend some more time on the farm and have it turn into a full-fledged business. And I've had some discussions with my bloodstock agent, Marat, and um, we've kind of just talked about what is the magic number for someone doing what I'm doing. And uh, I've been told so far that I'm batting well above my average, and I should just keep on the course I'm keeping on. So I don't know what that will look like in the future, but it's something I definitely want to pursue to do full-time. And if you don't really know what it's going to look like in the future, it means that you are leaving it to chance, but you're also putting a lot of work into this. What would be your vision for maybe the next 10 years until you're 49? That's a great question. And uh, I think the goal is, and the goal with getting racehorses with Catherine was always to get a few to just kind of have the odds turn in your favor. And I think by just surrounding yourself with good people, with good knowledge, you make good decisions. And you just have to kind of shape that luck into your favor at some point just by being around good people. So over the next decade, um, we're already looking into expanding our barn. We retrofitted an old barn from probably 100 years ago mm. into having 12 stalls just last year. And so we're looking to put probably another six to eight stalls in the next couple of years if things go well. And um, probably add a few more broodmares on and um, just keep going from there. So are you going to, in the future be known more as a commercial breeder, or are you going to basically breed your mares and race the offspring? I think we're going to do a combination of that, but I think to start, we're focusing on the commercial aspect. Um, just because the horses we purchased, we, we spent a little bit extra on getting quality than quantity. So if we make our money back and we can reinvest and then have the luxury of having some of our homebreds race, I think doing a bit of both would be the best for us. But for the time being, I think just getting established would be at the commercial side of the room right now. And speaking of being established, we established early on in this interview that you cut your teeth on standard bred uh, horses. How does it feel to be in the market now when it comes to thoroughbred horses? Watching standard breds and the sulkies and just experiencing that and you feel the rumble as they fly by you, like it doesn't, it, it always gave me goosebumps as a teenager. And just from the outside, I'm like, how do I break into an industry or even owning horses when my family um, doesn't have a history of that and I have no one to really introduce me? So I kind of first grew the love at Fortieri with getting my horse gentle and then just watching the races. And you fall in love with all the old movies, like the newer movie Seabiscuit and Secretariat, sure. But like, there's, I think there's, is it post, no, not Post Malone. <laughs> there's an old sports movie. <laughs> That's funny. I, <laughs> I like that music. <laughs> yeah, there's a, uh, anyways, there's an old movie I watched about like the backstretch and I really fell in love with the backstretch and just like the regalness of thoroughbreds and like my thoroughbred gentle leg, I still go out and see her and she just blows my mind at how gorgeous she is. So 
that's kind of my love um, that I followed the history, the backstretch. Like I'm also working with Bernard McCormick, who has a large history at Winfield Farms, and I've read all about Winfields, and it's just been one of those things that I've always known about because I grew up in Oshawa when I was young. So it's just one of those things that's like it's history mixed with the animals. It's just kind of a love affair. Well, you got a lot on your plate. <laughs> I, I'm tired listening to you now. <laughs> but anyways, Colin, thanks for doing this, uh, and, and good luck. Uh, good luck with uh, with your mares and, and your racing program and that, and uh, maybe we'll even get you back on the standard bread side someday, right? Absolutely. I'm definitely open to it. Yeah. Oh, Colin Davis, Apricot Valley Thoroughbreds, we wish you all of the success in the world. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you both. To learn more about Colin Davis, go to ponies247.com. Please read the feature article in the recently released March issue of the Ponies 24-7 magazine. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine Mohawk Park and, of course, some racing at several other North American tracks. Make sure that your HPI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stay with us for Larry's Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Discover a new breed of excitement with Live Horse Racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to ontarioracing.com. New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering Platform and the Dark Horse app. The best and safest online betting options. Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing. Three breeds, one vision. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA promotes the exchange of ideas to further advance, market and preserve live racing in Ontario while offering new thoroughbred ownership opportunities. Membership to the HBPA is free for owners and trainers. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to visit their Pineview dealership and view the award-winning Hyundai lineup today as the I Love Winter event is on now. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851 or visit our website, pineviewauto.com, and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems as Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Take it away, Larry. Thanks, Ann. Uh, let's start at uh, Santa Anita, 
They have a nine race card today, and race eight is the uh, day's feature, the running of the grade three Desert Storm Stakes. It's a uh, grade three for fillies and mares, four-year-olds and up. It's at uh, six furlongs on the dirt. It's only five in the field, but it's a compact five, including number three, Dance to the Music, who actually was well bet in the same stakes race last year and finished second. Dance to the Music had only two races after that stakes event last year and was actually laid off from August until February 20th of this year when she was entered on the turf at Santa Anita in an optional $80,000 claimer. Dance to the Music trailed throughout, and basically this horse is strictly a dirt horse, and that's the surface that she's on today. And since that last race, trainer Mark uh, Glatt has worked Dance to the Music twice, including a decent six furlong work. And Glad himself is 20% with horses making their second start off their layoff of 45 to 180 days. And Dance the Music uh, picks up leading jockey Juan Hernandez. So Santa Anita, race eight, number three, Dance to the Music. Fairgrounds has a 15 race card today, including a stakes field card that uh, includes the grade two Louisiana Derby, which is a major prep for the Kentucky Derby. Race 10, though, is the running of the grade two Muniz M- Memorial, it's for four-year-olds and up at, on about a mile and an eight on the turf. Ten horses have been entered, including number one, who raced superbly in his last start when he rallied to win the Pegasus World Cup Turf in, International Invitational at Gulfstream. Horse's name is Atone. His first start since a win at Aqueduct in November. Took a 104 buyer that day at Gulfstream. And to me, that, that's the best on the, plate, on the uh, page today in the Muniz. This guy is two for four at a mile and an eighth on the turf, and he's the only grade one winner in the race. Uh, trainer Michael Maker has worked a tone five times at five furlongs since that last race, including a bullet 59 and two breezing on March the 18th. So fairgrounds, race 10, number one, a tone. Woodbine Mohawk Park has a 13 race card tonight, including the finals of the New Holland Pacing and Trotting Series. Race 7 is the aforementioned New Holland Pacing Series final for a purse of $70,500. Ten horses have been entered, including number 2, Ariel Hanover, who had no chance in last week's leg when he drew the 9-hole, where he basically trailed until the stretch and closed well to finish 5th. He was race-timed in 151-4, and four, had a last quarter in 27 flat in that last race, and Ariel Hanover paced his back half in 54 flat. Two starts back, though, when Ariel Hanover left from the five-hole, he was able to clear to the lead at the half and led most of the way and finished second beat in the half length. This is the type of race I expect from Ariel Hanover tonight where he will get early position and give driver Louis Roy some options to maybe move early and get some rail control on the lead again. Woodbine Mohawk Park, race seven, number two, Ariel Hanover. And finally, the Meadowlands have another 14 race card tonight. And race seven is a one-mile pace for a purse of $12,500. Ten horses have been entered, and I'm leaning to number five, It's in the Stars, whose last race last week was excellent, where It's in the Stars did everything but win the race. A ten-hole start didn't help, but driver Tim Tatrick was able to carve out an off-the-pace trip where It's in the Stars closed for third and missed the win by a mere nose. Of note, too, is that It's in the Stars, who is certainly very familiar to Woodbine Mohawk Park Betters, where he raced for trainer Larry Small. This guy had been off since his last race at Mohawk on February 28th. It's in the stars, was race-timed in 151-4, and four, gets driver T-Trick back in the bike tonight, and goes from a 10 to a 5 post. So the Meadowlands race 7, number 5, it's in the stars. <laughs> it is indeed.
Larry, fantastic work as always. Thank you so much. And before we go, a quick hello to Mark at Fans of Horse Racing. Hello, Mark. (laughs) Goodbye to everyone listening right now. And thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Just a wee reminder, if you would like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine, and a new one will be released shortly, please email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com. And don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign. Don't horse around with lymphoma. For more information on this, please go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca slash ponies, and donate to this worthy cause. Stay with us here on 105.9 The Region all weekend long. Thank you so much for listening. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Ann Romer and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more from the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.